Good morning. Today's scripture is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though, now for a little while. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he pre predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were, not, they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Good morning. It's good to see everyone. We have a lot of sick folks um, that are out uh, from amongst us. So uh, those that uh, of your friend and family, make sure you reach out and check on folks. I know I mean, Steph's sick. Uh, I know Ross is sick. I know uh, Joe Bankus is sick. Um, the the Gessners have got some sickness in their household. And so that's just a, a, a smattering of uh, folks that are dealing with the cold and flu season, which is certainly uh, up upon us. Um, today, uh, church, we're going to begin a new series. Um, it's going to go for four or five weeks. And, and what we're going to deal with <clears throat> is the idea of kind of now versus later. You know, we're, we're going to look at this idea of, of the church um, are, are we seeking holiness or simply seeking heaven? And, and what I mean by that is, do we at times get short-sighted in that all we, all we think about is, is heaven? And we want to be in heaven, right? We, we, I'd expect a little more enthusiasm at that point, church. Um, heaven, right? I mean, that is the ultimate prize to, to, to be in heaven. That, that is where we want to be. That is where we want our friends. That's where we want our loved ones to be, is in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit for all, all eternity. Um, but what we're going to tackle is the idea of do we somewhat become complacent or not focused enough on the holiness of our lives today? Um, while we pursue the ultimate prize of heaven. Because we want to make sure that we are 
who we're supposed to be each and every day as we look forward and look ahead to, to heaven, if, if, if that makes sense. If not, we've got five weeks to help it make sense uh, to us. Um, but we as a church, you as individuals, have a responsibility, a calling um, from God and, and, and by God to be about the expansion of his kingdom, right? And, and so we do not want to lose sight of that, that yes, we are heaven-bound, we have a heaven focus, but we also need to be thinking um, and, and not lose sight of the fact that we are to be about kingdom work while we're pursuing heaven. We want to make sure that the kingdom that Jesus talks about so consistently and constantly throughout the Gospels, it's, it's the kingdom. And that kingdom is, is, the, is his reign, God's reign in the hearts and lives of men and women um, as they walk, as they walk this earth. And so we're going to, we're going to look um, at that and we're going to begin today. You've heard me say it before, um, if, if you recall, that eternity does not start later. I thought you all may, might have been sick. You're sitting in the wrong spot, Dan and Karen. Uh, huh? I see that. I see that. Um, and, and so um, we are already in eternity. Let, let, make sure you let that sink in. We are already in eternity. If I were to draw a timeline, that timeline, you know, wherever we reside on that timeline, that timeline does not get broken and pick up somewhere else. We are already in an eternal timeline. There simply comes a point on that timeline where we make a transition, as is described in... Um, in, in, in Corinthians, um, at, that, that we, and, and Romans, that we become something different, something more permanent, a, a changed being, right? You know, we're, we're, we're taught that in order to become that, that perfect, that, that thing which resides in heaven ultimately, it has to change from, from, the, the, from the flesh and the carnal to the pure spirit, that which, that which resides for all, all time. But make no mistake, we are already in eternity. We simply at some point in time will make the final transition, but eternity is already in play for everybody that, that exists, that, that, that lives. Um, the question is, right, what type of eternal walk are we on, right? There are those that are on an, an eternal walk of lostness. Um, there are those that are on an eternal walk of, of, of life, right, with, with God, with Christ, with, with his church. And so what we're going to talk about, what we're going to look at is, is the idea of what we should look like in our eternal walk as we pursue the ultimate prize of, of heaven. 
And so as, as Jared read here in 1 Peter, we're going to look through it a little bit. Uh, and we've got, we've got several, several passages um, that are not totally comprehensive, but several passages that will help us in our minds um, refocus, repurpose our thinking with regard to heaven versus kingdom responsibility and kingdom walk that we have right right now. And so um, I'll reiterate, blessed be the God, 1 Peter 1, 3, and, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, right? So we can piece that together pretty well, right? We've been born again. We've been born into the kingdom. We've placed our trust in, in him. We've placed our trust in his grace. Um, we, we have this idea, right? There's a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead to an inheritance. And that inheritance, we would make uh, a, a pretty good case that inheritance involves heaven. And everything that God has promised with regard to the spiritual blessings associated with that. That, that inheritance that is imperishable, okay, a lot of, lot of, we're going to see a lot of great adjectives and words here today um, that, again, they're easy to roll off the tongue, but, but absorb them, absorb them, because they are intentional um, in their design and purpose as they describe who we are, what we're expecting, and, and what we are to be. But that inheritance that is imperishable, it is undefiled, it is unfading, and is kept in heaven for you. We're, we're going to look at Ephesians 1 here um, in, in just a few minutes that is a really great companion um, section of Scripture with regard to this because what it's explaining to us is that it is already ours. We've already been redeemed, yes? This is audience participation time. I don't give it to you a lot, but we're going to do it. Right, we've been redeemed, yeah? Yeah, right, we've been forgiven, yeah, right, we've been adopted, Right, right. We've been given the Holy Spirit as a seal. Yeah, right. We, we, we have been called into part of, to be part of the kingdom. Yeah, right. We are a family. Yeah. We're, don't, 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 don't uh, get tired so quickly. We, right. We're in fellowship with one another. Yeah. We're in fellowship with the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Right. Those are all really right. A, a lot of these spiritual heavenly applications. It, it, it is here, it has been given to us. We're already residing in that, which is why I say we're, we're already in eternity. We're already on an eternal walk um, in, in our lives um, as, as it relates to the spiritual outcome that God has laid out uh, for us. But in, and he's saying it is kept in heaven. It is reserved. If, um, Paul will use the term reserved, I believe, depending upon your translation when we go over to Ephesians. It is reserved, right? Uh, and I'm not, it made me think um, of the uh, Seinfeld episode where he rented a car. Remember that? Do you, do you not? I could do the whole shtick if I need to, right? But, but he shows up. He needs, his car's in the shop, and he, he needs a rental car. And he shows up, and he's got a reservation for a rental car. And, and uh, he gets there, and it, I don't know if it was a midsize or a full-size car. And, and uh, she says, I'm sorry, sir, we're all out of cars. She says, what do you mean we're out of, you're out of cars? Uh, she said, well, we don't, we don't have any cars. He said, well, I had a reservation. She said, well, no, you had a reservation, but we don't have any cars. And, and, and he said, I don't think you know what a reservation is. She said, I know what a reservation is, sir. And he says, 
I don't think you do, because if you know what a reservation was, I'd have a car, right? Um, and, and, and on and on it goes. Uh, that was for free. That's not in my notes. But, but God, when God says you have a reservation, you're not going to arrive there and find out you've been bumped, that you don't have a reservation, that, that, that you don't have that rental car, right? That you don't have that home. And, and we're going to see that here in a moment too, the difference between tents and houses and homes. The, the idea of, of temporary versus permanent, right? And, and that's, that's where our mind has to be, right? We're on an eternal walk. We're in eternity, right? We have, we have temporary aspects of it now, but, but the permanence is reserved for us by God, right? And it's imperishable. It will not fade. Can't be touched. It's, it, it's His that he's holding. And so he goes on to tell us, right, um, who, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Yeah, we can attest to that, right? We have trials, we have problems, right? We have temptations, we have failures. Th those are those are the bumps along the road on which we're traveling, right, in our, in our walk. But that does not in any way, form, shape, or fashion diminish the fact that everything that he has said is reserved for you and for me. It is protected by the hand of God. It is ours because we are on that eternal plane with him, right, and we have already been sanctified through Jesus Christ. We're simply awaiting for that final reveal, that final revelation um, at, at the end where the tent dwelling becomes the permanent house dwelling. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, uh, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining, here's some of those great words. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That, that, that obtaining, right? Obtaining that which is being held for us. It is ours. It is yours. It's been guaranteed. It's been promised. You simply have to maintain that walk of, of faithfulness through the trials that he's, that he's discussed um, to get that outcome of your faith. Concerning this salvation, heaven, right? The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were, not serve, that they were serving not themselves, but you. Okay? It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. Okay, that's kingdom work, folks. That's kingdom work. When you're doing things 
that is not simply serving yourself, it's serving others, right? The idea of the kingdom work and kingdom expansion inherently brings with it the idea that I'm concerned about others. I'm concerned about those around me. I'm concerned about my neighbors, my friends, and my families that are also on an eternal plane. We just need to help make sure that folks understand that there is a heaven, that there is a God, that there is salvation, that there is hope, that there is redemption. The things that people yearn for, right? Kingdom work, kingdom work that you and I, every one of us, without exception, are called to show, right? Is this holiness of a walk that will help others want to be on that proper eternal timeline, that, that eternal plane, right, that, that culminates in that inheritance, right? And so I could end here, but I'm not going to because I've got several more pages of, of, of notes. But, but that's the point is that we are heaven-focused, yes, but we cannot forget about those around us. And so the call to us is to, yes, you've got heaven, but because you've got heaven that's reserved for you, an inheritance, make sure that you're walking in a holy manner because of those around you. Because of those around you, you walk a walk of holiness. We're already in eternity. We're already in eternity. And I was telling the guys if I'd have, you know, if I'd have been a little more, amb you know, ambitious, I would have pulled out one of the old a cappella songs while on our way, right? And had that had that keyed up. But all of you that know it, you can play it in your head right now. But but we're well on our way to eternity. But while we're doing that, we need to be holy. The word for holy is hagios, right? And, and it, it comes from several uh, derivatives. But the bottom line is that it is, it is something that is sacred, something that is pure. I think you'll see some places where it means, you know, you've been called out and set aside. You know, we, we've been told you know, to be holy as, as I am holy. It means to be pure, to be blameless, um, to, to be clean, right? That's that idea of sanctify. We've been sanctified through the blood of Christ, right? The, the, the evil nastiness of sin, right, has been cleansed from us. We, we, are a, we are a new aroma. We are a new fragrance, right? We are ambassadors with a, with a new purpose and a new calling. Uh, and, and our life, our lives are to be one that is, that is, that is clean, that's innocent, that's, that's, that's pure, Right? Um, and, and, and all those things have the, the spiritual application to it, right? It means that we put on, right, the, the characteristics of God, of Christ. You know, we, we live up to the example that, that, that he set for us, right? We, we put off the old self. We, we put off the, the things of the flesh. We, we, it doesn't mean that we don't sin and fall, right? We do. But that is not what totally 
and, and most consistently defines us. Our characteristics are to be that, right, of, of, of holiness, that of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit that we see, right? That is to be the characteristic of our daily walk. When someone looks at you, when God looks at you, he sees the characteristic of your walk, that which defines who you are, right? Not who you make, not, not, not the mistakes that you make, but the life that you strive for in your, in your everyday walk. It's, you know, it, it's not only about our destination, right? Heaven, right? I was going to ask for a show of hands, but I want to do that. But everybody ought to be confident that you're going to heaven, right? Satan will get in your ear when you make mistakes and, and try to tell you that you're not worthy. Well, no, we're not in and of ourselves, but God has sanctified us. God has called us out. The blood of Christ cleanses us, and God makes us worthy through that, right? And we can't let Satan ever tell us that we're not, because when he, when he does that, he wants us to abandon the idea of the, of the holy walk, the idea of the, of the destiny that is reserved for us. And so th this idea of the tent versus the house, want to look at that because that again helps us with our mindset of where we are on this timeline of eternity right and and, and simply looking forward to that transition to to the house second corinthians 5 for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed talking about the body we have a building from god a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked for while we are still in this tent we groan being burdened not that we should be unclothed but that we would be further clothed right there's that idea of completeness that idea of that transition we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. That's that transition that, that Paul has talked about, that the idea of putting off the mortal for the immortal, right? The, the temporary for the, for the permanent, that transition, right, for that which is permanent, right? Tenting versus a house. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, right? But the mortal is swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee, right? Once again, the idea, guarantee, right? It's a reservation. It's a guarantee. It is, it is a fact, right? It, it, is, it is true. It is unquestionable. God says it, therefore, it is, right? The only person, the only, the only power that can undo that is me for me, is you for you, right? We walk by faith. We walk in that faith. We depend upon that grace, upon that forgiveness. We accept it, right? That's who we are, and that is a guarantee, and we've got to remind ourselves over and over and over in this, because to walk a life to walk a lifetime as a Christian, 
right, requires steadfastness. Paul describes it as a marathon, right? It, it, it requires a lifetime of support from brothers and sisters in the church, in the kingdom, right? It, it requires the growth and reliance. It requires staying in front of and in the presence of that throne of grace as he describes in Hebrews chapter 4. We didn't get into that Wednesday night, but, you know, it, there's some specific language in there when we talk about the idea of, of, of approach, approach the throne of grace. And I, I believe wholeheartedly it doesn't mean you approach it, then you go away, then you approach it, then you grow, go away. It has the idea of dwelling. We, you and I, have to dwell in the presence of the throne of grace. God's grace. Because only if we stay and dwell in that presence can we find that strength, can we find that fortitude that we need to be steadfast, that we need to be effective and, and, and efficient in our lives and in our, in our walk. We stay in front of that throne of grace so that when we need it, it's there. That time of need comes far too often. But if we're outside, if we're not dwelling in the presence of his throne of grace, then we can find ourselves in trouble. Um, on, on this walk. Stay in contact. We talked about the idea of, of, of prayer on Wednesday, the idea of, of, of staying in that constant, constant contact, constant prayer, constant communication, constant fellowship. Um, but in order to do that, we have to stay in front, in front of God and, and in His presence. But He's given us a guarantee. So we're always of good courage we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And that walk is supposed to be a holy, holy walk because it's not simply about the destination. It's what we do as we travel, as you and I travel along the timeline of eternity, right? That's why we are called to be holy in our walk because of those around us. Exodus 15, we're going back and look at, at Israel uh, briefly. Um, in Exodus 15, we see what's called as the, the Song of Moses. Okay, and so Israel has been delivered from Egypt. They've been delivered from their captivity, from the slavery, from the hardship that they were under, um, the, the oppression that they felt the, the, the constant presence of the idolatry that uh, existed in, in Egypt. And they had been delivered by the mighty hand of God um, from this. And they sang this song. Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphant glory. He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. They sound pretty excited and pretty convincing, don't they? The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. 
You send out your fury, it consumes them like stubble. And at the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up, the floods stood up in a heap, the deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The entire the army said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my desire shall have its fill of them, I will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love, the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Sound like a pretty appreciative people, a people that understands their God, understands what he did for them. He brought them out of Egypt. We are about, when we, when we find ourselves at, at Pentecost, right? Does everybody remember why it's called Pentecost? Why, why the quick, quick, quick history refresher, right? 50. They traveled 50 days from, from uh, Egypt to Mount Sinai. 50-day journey, that's, that's why we get the idea of Pentecost 5. That was celebrated later. So, so these, these folks have been loose a little over a month and a half from, from uh, Egypt. Have traveled through the wilderness area. God has protected them with a with a, uh, a pillar of fire and a cloud, he's led them. I've done some math before, talked to you. Well, I mean, I've talked to you about, talked to our, you know, our small group study at home. But my estimation is that given the number of, of, of people that were in Israel at the time, uh, given the number of years, that it was probably a swath of, of, of people, maybe a quarter or half mile wide that stretched from uh, Columbus all the way down to Cincinnati. That, that's, that's a big parade of people. And this people he protected, guided them, uh, brought them out of Israel with mighty wonders, all of the plagues. I don't have time to go into them today. I'd love to. You know how I like to talk about the plagues? They're God-sized stuff, right? God did stuff God-sized uh, to show who he was uh, to his people and the world around. As he led them out, they were on their way, right, to their promised land. They, God had made a promise to them. There was a land that was reserved for them. Uh, he made that promise to, um, to Abraham. He reaffirmed that promise. He brought his people, his spiritual Israel, and we can talk about that if you think there's any consistencies. You know, chase me down. He never broke his promise to, to Israel. Um, but they were well on their way, Right? I mean, look at what look at what he had done. You I mean that that was the whole? I would think they would consider that the hard part. He he brought them out of Egypt. He destroyed the largest, fiercest army on the face of the earth at the time, right? Took them through the Red Sea. He parted the waters. They walked through on dry land, and he collapsed the water on their enemies that were pursuing them, that were making great claims of of, of conquest what they were going to do to them with their swords and their chariots. They were well on their way as a people. A couple months down, and we find that they become quickly disgruntled. 
even though they were destined for a promised land, a land that flowed with milk and honey, a land that he already had given over to them, right? The giants living in those lands over the 40 years, you know, they knew what was going on out there. Um, that's a whole other lesson. But they stayed behind their walls even though they were giants. They did not come out and meet Israel. They stayed hidden behind their walls because they saw the mighty God that led his people and what he would do for his people. But the land already belonged to them. It was theirs. God said it was. Uh, all they had to do was move from their tents to their houses, from their temporary situation to their permanent situation. Um, and yet we find pretty quickly that the walk that they were on in their lives, the, the stance that they took, they chose in large part to not reflect appropriately their walk with what their God had done for them, with what their God had prepared for them, with what their God had promised to them. And when you open up chapter 16 of Exodus, it sounds like this. They set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, uh, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of, of Egypt, right? So we're within that 50-day period-ish. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled, grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would what we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly, with hunger. And so, with everything that had been done, Israel, even though they were well on their way, and had that vision out there of the land that flowed with milk and honey, the promised land, the land of promise, to Abraham and his ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their children and their descendants, they decided that they were going to be a grumbling, unappreciative people with regard to God and what he had done and, 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 and the temporary, the temporary, discomforts that they were currently experiencing. And so their walk very quickly did not reflect that, that life that should show a holiness based upon what was prepared and promised for them. And they wanted to return to Egypt over these minor inconveniences. And on the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in will be twice as much. And so he's, he's providing them food. Then, you know, the, the manna. Then the manna wasn't enough. And they wanted meat. So he brings in quail. He blows in quail on the winds um, and tells them to gather. And they're going to gather twice as much. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out. And he keeps reminding them. It was the Lord that brought you out of Egypt and is setting you on this path to the promised land. 
And in the morning you see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And, and so uh, it, it does not sound nor does it look like a holy walk. Folks that are destined for a salvation. It is not a pure walk. It is, it is a walk that is focused introspectively, not thinking about those on the outside and around. And we are to be the absolute opposite of that. We're on a journey. There is a promised land for us. There are things that have occurred that will occur, but we cannot lose sight of that promise and how we are supposed to walk along that eternal timeline. Last, last couple of, of scriptures. In Hebrews 11, we've got an extensive listing of folks that are, you know, on, on the wall of fame for, for faith, right? Um, and, and it goes on and on with regard to, to the men and the women that are, that are there. You know, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Cain killed Abel, but Abel was faithful, right? Enoch was, was, was faithful. Noah was faithful. Noah built an ark, you know, for, spent 100 years building an ark, preaching about a flood. Um, and so Noah was faithful. Abraham was, was faithful. We know all about Abraham and Sarah and, and the promise of a child and, 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 and the promised land uh, to them. But he says this, when you go back and look at the, at the wall of fame in, in Hebrews 11, they all died, but they all died in faith, he says in 13. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. For people who speak uh, thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, worrying about the yesteryear, worrying about how things were back then, over there, if they had been worried and thinking about the land from which they had come, they would have had the opportunity to return. But, as it is, they desire a better country. Right, and the whole idea of a country is sovereignty. Right, not just a place, but a, but it's a country. It's a place of belonging, a place of sovereignty, a place of, of authority, um, where, where a king reigns and rules, and and protects and looks over his people. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Right, so the mindset. The mindset of the faithful is that they continue to look ahead and to push ahead and, and walk by faith, right? To walk by faith. Hebrews 11 starts out, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction or evidence of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. That idea of, of, of faith and of that faithful, faithful walk. Blessed be the God, Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy 
We should be holy. His chosen are to be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption right now. We have redemption now. We've been adopted now. We're to be holy and blameless now. But we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. We have now. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Another great word. Just poured out without holding back. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ. And later on in Ephesians, he tells us, what the, man, the manifold wisdom of God, the church's purpose is to make that known to the world around us. right? Making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. We have the inheritance now. It's on our eternal timeline that we're walking. right? Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee once again that guarantee that reservation of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it. It's ours. We simply have to walk that timeline to take eternal possession of it to the praise of His glory. Last couple. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We know this one, right? It's a reiteration of what we know. I appeal to you, Paul says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's our lives. That's our walk. That's what we present. Right? That, that is worship, to give our lives holy and blameless to Him in our walk, our day-to-day walkabout that we have, that which represents the character of of who we are, that which God sees as he looks at us through Jesus Christ. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, which is, what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect. Ephesians 5, this is in the discussion with regard to husbands and wives and the mystery with regard to the church as his bride. Um, and, and, and we'll, we'll leave with this. Um, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. That's us. In our walk, we're to be sanctified, which is cleansed. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Okay, so this is what we're supposed to look like this holy walk on this timeline of eternity. While we're traveling this timeline, he wants us to 
be splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish the walk matters not just not just the end our walk matters and we and we need to take time to reflect upon it right we need to take time to correct it periodically as all of us need to but not lose sight of the fact that our walk is to be something special and something different not simply the prize, but, but the walk. Put on then as, God cho- as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. This is what that holy walk looks like. Humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, um, you also must forgive so with that the lesson's yours the idea hopefully we take it away right that we are on our way we're well on our way we're on that timeline right I know I've said it a bunch but hopefully through repetition we'll remember it right we're on our way to eternity we're there It's, it's already a part of who we are what do we look like on that walk though is is today's message and focus right we seek heaven but not with tunnel vision we're called to walk a holy walk so live one that is pure and blameless and one that's consecrated one one that is worthy of the statement that I have called you to be holy and be holy as I am and holy. So with that, Robin's going to lead us in an invitation song. If, if you have not been sanctified through the cleansing and washing of, of, of water, baptism, um, which washes away sins and creates that contract with, with Christ, we would encourage you to, to do so. If there are any other needs that you have, right, um, that, that you need to lean upon one another, as we do, uh, we would encourage you to, to make it known either now or, or at, at some other point with a brother and sister, with one of our ministers or elders. Um, but help, help yourself, right, to clear the path so that you might be able to walk um, a holy walk on your timeline of, of eternity. And with that, please stand as Robin leads us.